Yo, yo. We are back. Season three, episode two. We getting it started. Today's show of Hanging at the House Podcast, Vision House Studios. I'm your host, Mr. Watt. We got my guy, Full Sail Family in the building, Jordan Taylor Mode. He does a bunch of different stuff. We're going to get into it from songwriting to publishing to playing guitar so awesomely. And just, you're going to learn about it. Yo, sit tight. Enjoy the show. All right. What's up, Jordan? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. We met at a full sale virtual event. Still have yet to meet in person, but uh, when I come down there to knock on the door at BMI, I, I like, hey, uh, I just came to drop off these donuts. <laughs> I'll come right on down, man. You know, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, man. Glad to be here, man. I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation and hang out. Let's let's do. Do you mind doing a little background check? Yeah, man, absolutely. So, um, like you said, my name is Jordan Taylor Mode. I am a fellow Full Sail alumni. Um, I've been in the music industry for about fifteen years now, uh, mostly in the you know creative side, songwriting, producing, and along lines of touring, musician stuff like that. Um, I just recently opened up my own music production house, Crash Line Studios, Nashville, and I also work as a part of BMI as well. And Jordan, where are you from? I'm originally from the Jersey Shore. Um, you're probably already trying to get uh, some form of Guido in this out of me, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I grew up there, and then I lived in Philadelphia for a while, um, and then made my, my way towards Winter Park for Full Sail, and then after that, shortly after, moved right on out to Nashville. I've been there since. Wow, that's what's up. It, you're like a nomad right now when it comes to this music thing, and you found your home in Nashville. How do you like it down there, man? It's crazy. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I kind of coming into Nashville was such a weird story because I had just graduated Full Sail and I was in a project that was kind of a remote thing. We were kind of just putting stuff together as we could. And all of a sudden I got this opportunity. A buddy, I came out here for like a week and I met up with an old friend of mine and he's like, hey, like, have you ever thought about moving out here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It's kind of a, it's kind of a big move out of nowhere and <laughs> I had never been here before. And he started showing me around and just I remember losing kind of like breath over how you. crazy just everything was taking everything in. Cause like, the, you know, the, the, it is true about what they say about Nashville. It's like everywhere you go, you turn a corner, there's four bands playing on four different venues in one building and it's five different genres and some of the best music you've ever heard. Like it blows you away. It's, it's a lot to take in. And I remember like a week later, my buddy called me up and goes, Hey, so you're still interested about uh coming on out? And I was like, yeah, I mean, if, if I could find a job. And he's like, well, I already found you a job. <laughs> and then he introduced <laughs> me to this, this studio guy, and that's how I got my uh, my start here. Yeah, he sold, he sold you on the, the pre... He got you with the pre-sale ticket. Oh, dude. And then bought a ticket yeah. for you <laughs> before you pulled up. <laughs> dude, it was like, it was the deal at that point. I was like, what am I going to say no? Like... <laughs> Oh man. And then for like, okay, so you were already a guitarist. Correct. I've been playing for about 18 years. Now. Yeah. So it's like, if you're already trying to write music, you're songwriting and you play guitar, why wouldn't you want to be in Nashville? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, that's the craziest thing about like being here too. Like I'm, you really find like what you want to do in music when you're out here. Cause there's, there's opportunities for everything. If you're, you know, you want to go more production routes. There's that, there's avenues for that. If you want to be a composer or, you want to work in studios or live, you know, everything. It's just, it's always coming at you 150 miles an hour. And it really kind of shows you like 
where you stand on specific things in the industry and like what you find that you're passionate about. And, you know, being a guy who came in to Nashville is wanting to be a touring, you know, musician, you know, like a ghostwriter. And I still, that's still my main goal um, is to be just a professional songwriter and just ghostwrite for artists and things like that. You know, it's cool. Like the little momentums that you get along the way that you don't expect, like end up, you carry on and just meeting somebody, bumping into somebody at a bar and things like that. Now, maybe you can testify to this, right? The one thing you hear about Nashville that's different from other cities that do a lot of production is that people are welcoming to more people doing it versus looking at you as competition. Can you speak on that? Ooh, I actually really happy you brought that up because that's something that I come from a lot from like the Philadelphia tri-state area, especially being in rock and metal music. If you are in more than one project, you are considered like the worst human being known to man <laughs> like you are you're just trying to cheat yourself type of deal and then so coming out on every like, record that's coming out you, you yeah just, right you're just capping greedy over here that's what you doing <laughs> i can't have you to myself exactly <laughs> and, then got, and they go into like full sale i think that was kind of like the opening of like realizing like wow it's it's not a bad thing if you want to go work with a hundred different artists and try different songs and things and then Coming to Nashville, that was one thing I did notice is everybody is willing to shake your hand and say, when do you want to work together? And the real question is, can you get past that that handshake and actually deliver a good product with this person? Or, you know, and that's really where the real Nashville grind comes in. But it is it is absolutely true. Like anybody here is just looking for someone to work with and try to find some, you know, their next big break type of deal. I think people that go there and, and a lot of people around the around the country and in industry that are either uh aspiring you know entrepreneurs or or artists or songwriters understand that you don't know what person you're going to work with in what capacity to give you that magic and to make that hit and to make the one that let that defines you for that moment and you try to top it and that comes from a really creative a freely creative standpoint i think and then other places are just like yo i have you have to be this specific way you know, and only work with me in order for us to make something amazing. And I think that that kind of defeats the purpose of collaboration and artistry is trying to box people into what you think they should do. So that's good to hear. Like that's, that's, that's refreshing. All right. So do you, do you, or do you not want to get into a little bit of BMI? I think that information like we talked about before to, to get the publishing part of it, from somebody who does it full time, I think would have some gems in it. Let's let's just do the demystifying the myths, debunk the stuff that's out there that is not true. Whatever you heard <laughs> that somebody it, yeah. said, right? That's not true, and you like, you need to go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do have one thing that I find hilarious is. Somebody, um, I was, I was going through my Instagram stories one day and somebody happened to post a picture of them going through a copyright registration for a works registration for BMI. And I remember they were, they were just literally circling spots on their registration going like, how do I figure this out? How do I do this? This is so confusing and things like that. And the one thing that really made me kind of go, oh man, was this person was sharing all of their royalty split informations all of the IPI numbers, all the, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, do you not know what you're doing? You're giving everybody your publishing information for these songs. I'm like, don't do that. Right. 
That is so that would be my big thing is try to keep that as you know, keep that, that stuff to yourself. <laughs> so moral of, the, moral of that story, do not give out your IPI number to anyone that Unless you're it's not asked for. with. Yeah, if it's asked for, wait, rather better yet, don't put it on social media. Yeah. <laughs> like and don't be showing how you're splitting things up and things like that. Especially if you don't if that wasn't agreed on another writer or something, they see that and they're like, oh crap, I'm getting 10% on the song. Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you Nothing may else. shoot yourself in the foot with a 12 gauge <laughs> shotgun doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but in a serious note, I think the one thing that deep mystifying about BMI and ASCAP and CSAC. The most important thing I could say about demystifying it is like how important it is for an artist to be affiliated. Cause I feel like when, before I even started working with them, before I went to full sale, like I had a genuine understanding about why you needed to be a part of one and like what they did for you. But I don't think a lot of these artists realize, especially new guys coming up that like, it's like really important to make sure you have your music protected and have your music. Cause especially like in a time like now where everyone's just looking for that next song, that next bit, you know, I think have like especially if you have your you know your registrations in and there's you know they're set and you're you're doing things like BMI Live. Like a lot of people don't know about BMI Live, where you submit your set lists every night from shows you're doing, you can get paid out on that, and that's another in- stream of income for you know artists. A lot of people don't if know if you're about. performing out live and you belong yeah. to BMI. Yeah, and so. it's it's a great it's a great thing. ASCAP has ASCAP Live too, which is really cool. So it's a new venue, that avenue they're trying to help pay artists out more. But I think a big thing is like if you are an artist trying to release music out there and you are, you know, you're trying to do this serious, it is so important to be affiliated, especially when BMI is free and it's, and there are every opportunity and resources out there for you to have any question answered and stuff like that. And it's not a hard process. Hey, you know, shout out simple. to the pros, making sure that performer rights organizations for making sure that people get their nickels, their dimes, their quarters, you know, regardless oh, sure. of how small it is, you were doing it for free before, and if you're still doing it without being affiliated, you're still doing it for free. And yeah. you can secure things in your future by making sure you're signed up with a pro. So, absolutely. Uh, any other advice about publishing through BMI? Sure. Or ask or either one of them. I mean, I don't know anything about CSAC because I'm not cool enough to be in CSAC. <laughs> So. I want to know who is cool enough to be in CSAC. Because, <laughs> like, I swear, it's, like, the five big guys of rock music, and, like, that's it. Or, that, like, yeah. <laughs> every blue moon, you'll run into somebody, like an artist, and they'll say it on the sly, like, I'm with CSAC. <laughs> You're like, word, that's nice. Okay. You get so, funny story about that. The dark side of the moon. One of my first days working at BMI, I was at the headquarters in Nashville, and I was taking a break. And obviously, when you come out of BMI, Nashville, you're on Music Row right there, which is where all the record labels are at and, you know, all the PROs and everything. So, it's a really cool company to be there. And I remember I walked into um, this brewery that was right, happened to be right down the road from BMI. And walked in there just to grab, like, I don't remember, like, a beer or something. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up next to me, and he's just like, yeah, you know, I just had a long day working and this and that. I'm like, oh, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm a songwriter. And he started talking about how he was in CSAC. And then my first question was, I don't care about the song. What did you do? Who's, you know, <laughs> you know, I asked you to kiss type of deal <laughs> to get that that deal. And he's just like, oh, you know, you just have to be invited. I'm like, I get that, but how do you get invited? <laughs> right. That is the weirdest, like, cultist thing. Because <laughs> if you know something, like, which wrist do I have to slit? Left or right? I'm just asking. Yeah. Here's the ultimate. That's the way y'all acting. 
the ultimate myth about them too is like they do the exact same thing that BMI does and ASCAP does for their artists. And honestly, I think I'm not going to knock because I've not, I've actually not been affiliated with CSAC or ASCAP, so I can't attest to this. But I do know for a fact, being a songwriter and a publishing publishing owner for BMI and as well to that, you know, working with them on the other side, they really do their best to be the top PRO and to really take care of the musicians. And if you ever have questions, they have the resources there to like, Hey, let's walk you through it. Like, you know, and I think that's really important, especially for these young guys, because we're all, we've all been there. We come out like we're, you know, we're young getting up there and we don't know these things. We weren't taught these things. And it's important to have that information. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Hey, shout out to you for sharing that, man. We appreciate it. And to all the people that are listening that, don't know about it go do your research google has a bevy of information and you can even call bmi like i called bmi a bunch of times when i was registering my publishing company because i did it during COVID, and there was a lot of stuff going on so they were backed up and then some stuff got lost and mixed up so but they did their best and honestly they made it really easy besides waiting to work with them anytime i have to re-register and add isrc codes or anything after the fact from the ISWC codes, which y'all can Google that as well. We won't go into that. We ain't got that much time. It's <laughs> it's beautiful. So I'm not bigging up, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything that I don't believe in myself. So shout out to the people at BMI, um, including Jordan, for all the hard work y'all do for putting up with the people you got to put up with because artists are crazy. Did you go to Full sale for... Music production or audio production? So I actually went, I went for music production. Okay. You know? Okay. My heart and soul is, is in the art, the art of songwriting. More, more, like I know the production side is absolutely important. I do do that as well. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I fell in love with the songwriting process and that's where my heart's at. And and that's where I was leading into. So apparently you do a lot of mixing. <laughs> now, <laughs> Are you doing that out of, did you start mixing out of necessity or was it like curiosity that led you from, I know how I want my tones to sound and I think I'm going to be the best at doing that. Yeah. So, um, funny enough for a first, but from, I want to say from like 2000, like I got out of high school and then 2012, 2012 to about 2015, I was just traveling with bands and we were just in and out of studios in, you know, in venues, just doing the whole rock and roll life thing. And I just remember at one point I, I was, I was loving it. You know, it was great. I was young, things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, I just started going and like, we're spending a lot of money on, you know, mixing engineers, production writers, this and that. And I didn't, that was the one side of the industry I had zero clue about. Like I understood the music business to a certain extent and, I understood the songwriting process. I got that. I'm like, but what about like, what's the guys in the back who are working all the computers, doing all the mixing? Like, what does any of that mean? How do we get, how do we get from that really cool kick drum sample that we just recorded to this mega huge kick drum? Like, how does it get there? And that's when my curiosity kind of started. And then it really didn't hit me until I got to full sale. And I was kind of being around a bunch of, you know, the got the young guys in those classes and stuff like that, that were, I was really like, wow, there's a lot to this world that I have zero idea about. Okay. And I remember just sitting there just like, uh, and I remember the first thing I said was to fight Ren when I had him as my teacher, I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. This is my weakest point in my, in, in like in the music realm. And I want to get better. So what do I got to do? And like, he would, he would hardcore critique my mixes, like to the point where like, and I, I wanted that, you know, you want that, like, 
tell me why I'm not doing this right. You know, and I remember like Mark Berry was the same way. Like he would keep me after class sometimes, like, are we in the studio? And he'd be like, he'd plug in something and be like, do you see why this is a difference than me not doing this to this? And like, we'd sit there and I'd go over and I'd be like, I'm starting to get it, but teach me more. I want to know more. And that's what I just kept doing. I was like, I want to get better. I want to learn more. And, and like where I fail, where did I fail? And I've always kind of kept that mentality. Yeah, and even yeah. to this day now being in a studio where, yeah, I do work with a, another guy at crash line, but we, we both do both amount of work. It's just every day I'm like, okay, how can I, this be the best, the best mix I've ever done, you know, to this day. You know? That's what's up. That it, You trained your ears over time. You learn the tools and you train your ears. And yes. I don't think you ever stop training your ears. I think as sound develops and you know, what's in your head develops and changes, you'll learn how to tweak those to get to adapt and go with you as you develop as an artist. So your mixes will change and not necessarily become better, but they'll be, they'll have more character to them, I think. And that's how I ended up doing it. Like I did the same thing. Like I was doing shows and traveling and, and wondering why, like, why are we paying these guys this much money? And then when you get into the meat and potatoes of it, you're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're paying for the speed, you're paying for accuracy, and all of the other things that fall into place from there. Uh, let's get in the crash line. Sure, man. You're, yeah. You are the bee's knees of crash line, the, the head honcho, alpha omega, whatever you want to call it. This was a dream that this kid had, and he says it's not going to die when I go to sleep. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, it was a crazy, this, the whole story of Crash Line is so crazy how it came to be because it was an idea that me and a, fr- a buddy of mine started it at Full Sail and didn't really fruition until one day I just happened to walk into a scenario where I was like, you know what? I might be able to make a, sh- a run at this, especially in a world where, especially in Nashville, where, you know, studios are just hurting to kind of keep their doors open. And I'm like, well, what's going to make me unique? What makes my studio unique, more unique than, you know, what they're doing? And it's nothing, nothing against any studio. Any studio out here in Nashville that you go to, there's a reason why you're spending $100 an hour or whatever oh, yeah. to be in those studios. Yeah. I will never say anything like that. But the one thing I, I didn't notice there was a real need for out here was there's not really like an on-demand, like per, you know, like contractual basis recording studio that, you know, okay, what do you need to get done? Who's the guy that we know that, that can get it done the fastest, the quickest, and, you know, most efficient, and let's work. And my biggest thing was I always want to be somebody who's flexible in budgets. I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh, you know, $1,000 for a whole album, you know, this or that. It's like, well, I want to go, because I also know how it feels to be on that opposite side where you have $15 to your name, you know, yeah, this yeah. singles, everything, you're, you, you know, your life is on the song. and. Right. I want to be like that guy who's like, okay, well, I want to help you bring that to life. What's your budget look like? And how can we get it to where we can both work together and be happy? Yeah. And that's kind of how the whole Montreal crash line started was we're those guys who come in in the ninth hour when you need something done on the 10th hour and we get it to A to Z for you. And we get it delivered on, you know, to the time that you need it there. And, that's what's up. You know, we've, yeah. We've been doing that. And like, like I said, it's not like we're, you know, pulling out full albums and, you know, a month or something like that. But like, you know, we get a project in and it's like, okay, so you need a production album in this kind of category and we need it out by August and it's May and you need to write it and have it done by end of July. Okay. 
we'll get it done. Let's do it. You know, oh, you have a podcast network that needs to be produced, you know, produce four seasons worth of episodes. It's got to all be out by this time. Okay. What's your budget like? Let's do it. And, you know, we're always trying to be progressive with it. Cause like, especially with the mold of a recording studio with COVID and things like that, you know, we were trying to find ways how, you know, especially being a newer studio, cause we originally had a place, uh, a full standalone place for a little bit um, outside of a recording suite. And we did that for a little while and then we moved it completely to a home studio during COVID and we're still, I'm still actually in the home studio now. Um, but with my new partner that I that just jumped in on this with me not too long ago, we're kind of seeing like, Hey, if we can get more of a rotation here with the studio, get some more, you know, money comes through, maybe we can start looking at another standalone place and in the future. The beautiful part of that, and this goes out to anybody that's out here doing this freelance, man, do the work. Yeah. Get, get the work, do the work. Don't worry about, I've, I haven't been concerned when people say, well, what can I hear you on? What can I see you on? I'm, I'm getting to work. Like no matter how small it is to somebody else, I really, I really love projects that I believe in that when, uh, you know, a young new director or independent director is like, they need a score. And the first thing I say is, can I see the film? If I can watch it and I'm into it, I got you. Don't worry. Same here. It's like, it, and we should be able to look out for each other. Of course, we got bills to pay, so there, yeah. there has to be something. You ain't doing it for free, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like these student loans is not going away no time soon, Joe Biden. <laughs> you made Say promises, Joe. <laughs> anyway, so the rest of it is just like we believe in getting the work done, and that's one of the funnest parts about being a freelancer, you know, in the entertainment industry, and. Yeah. Let's get into, as we roll along with the show, we're going to get into one of your songs and we can talk about it after the break, after we listen to the song. I have officially picked out uh, Insomniacs as a song we're going to run for the show. He'll give you all a little tidbit about what's going on with it, when did it come out, who's on it, and where you can go check it out at after the fact. We hit y'all back after the break. So here is it. Now, who's the, who's the band on the song? Oh, so this is actually my band, The Hungry and Dangerous. It's my own personal project that I'm currently producing. Okay. Hungry and Dangerous Insomniacs coming up on the Hanging in the House podcast right now. Let go. Insomniacs of the world. Hear this tune, give it a whirl The time is now to break the trance And do it a patchy devil dance Restless view, filled with power Frankenstein's of the witching hour Bloodshot eyes, fatigued and lost Pray for the morning at all costs The clock strikes twelve and the curtains rise Another seven
Insomniacs from Jordan Taylor Mode and what was your band name again? And uh, the Hungry and Dangerous. Hungry and Dangerous. It was intense. I love the song. It fits right when I need to get my pre-workout on at the gym, and he's gonna <laughs> let us know how it came to be and all the other good stuff. Let's go, Jordans. Yeah, Hungry and Dangerous. Insomniacs. Who's singing? So that's actually me, believe what? it or not. Yeah, that's that's my actual rock and roll, this is who I am type of voice. <laughs> okay, so the rest of the time, you speak softly to save it yeah. for when you get a mic in your hand and you turn in an, into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I kind of pulled the, uh, I'm a big fan of Alice Cooper, so for me, it's like he had this whole, this whole mentality of like, 
I'm Vincent off stage, but when I'm on stage, the monster comes out of the cage. So that's kind of like me. I bottle them up till I go on stage or I'm in a studio. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Wow. <laughs> I I never would have guessed that. From the last time we talked till now, I'm like, okay, so somebody kind of sounds like him, but it's a... N- Wait a minute. Thanks, man. <laughs> I get that more often than you would think. Because wow. <laughs> I do speak softly. <laughs> Is it... Okay, so uh, how many people are in your band? So we're a uh, three-piece right now. Uh, where it's myself, um, actually a fellow Full Sail alumni, Dan Warren. Uh, he graduated two months before me in the music production program. Shout out to Dan. He plays, yeah, he plays bass uh, and does backing vocals with us. And then our drummer... Uh, his name is Matt Lewis. He's uh, he actually graduated from uh, Keene University with a master's in music. Shout um, out to Matt. Yeah, he's he's a killer drummer, phenomenal drummer, and uh, he actually teaches. Uh, he's a uh, math uh, music teacher up in uh, Jersey. Okay, okay, yeah. So, what inspired the song outside? Like, okay, so if you if you listen to the song, you would think it's something really superficial and really surface, right? But it's fun, and I I know too many musicians to know that it's that simple. <laughs> well i'll give you the absolute honest answer where the song came from uh whether y'all believe it or not this is the real story of the ins- of insomniacs was believe it or not i was getting ready to go on christmas break with full sale my first run through around and i had a class that was really just kicking my butt and basically they wanted my whole project done that week and it was like obviously you know when you go to full sale it's Shorten that that December is like a three week uh you know crash course whatever yeah, you're man, doing it's rigorous and I remember I had a show coming up at a couple days after I was leaving school up in New Jersey and I was like okay well I gotta fly home for that and I remember I was up for like two and a half days straight without sleep and it was like I'm like I just gotta do it to get stuff done and I remember well, on my way to get ready to go to rehearsal which was the night before the show I was starting to see like weird things going on in my eyes because I had just mm. been up so long sleep without deprived. any sleep and sleep deprived, you know, I'd travel, flying, you name it. And I just started remembering, like, um, I had watched this horror film. I cannot remember what it was, but it um, it was just dealing with, like, people who just, you know, were seeing vivid, vivid dreams. And I love I loved that idea. And I was like, and all of a sudden, I kind of started, that started dawning on me. I'm like, well, this could turn really bad really quickly if I, you know, don't get some sleep soon. And this idea of, like what would happen if somebody couldn't sleep and then the whole idea of insomnia and like how people have trouble sleeping. I'm like, could you imagine if you couldn't go to sleep, what would that be like? And um, I went, and then I just started kind of jotting down my thoughts as I was going through this binge of just not going to sleep. And like, I'd be on the plane and I'd just be like, Oh man, like I'm kind of frustrated that I'm not asleep right now. And, it's, and I'm like getting mad about it. And like, you know, and then I'm like, but if I had insomnia, that would be my life. You know, and that's kind of how that's like the lines started coming together. And I like the idea of building the character of or this like group of people, like this cult of the insomniacs. And that's kind of where it kind of came from. It was a kind of very characteristic, uh, kind of cartoon vibe with it. And we wanted to have fun with it because we're all big fans of you know real classic rock like Ozzy, Black Sabbath, you know, uh, Motley Crue, Van Halen, those early you know guitar yeah. gods and. Um, that was a big thing with this song was I wanted to like capture that real early essence of classic rock where like everything was still on the threshold of new and like yeah, you did that's what we want and that's what we wanted to do with the song and like I said when I brought it I was like 
wouldn't it be really cool if we did this, but did it like kind of almost like an anti-Disney shanty song, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like just people are so mad about their lives that this is how they get through the day. And uh, Dan and Matt heard this idea and they're like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. And it far beyond exceeded our expectations. Oh man, y'all killed it. Like it, Thanks, it man. felt old, but it, it felt like a for real classic rock song. Like it felt to me, it felt like a B side. Like when you flip the record and you get that oh, yeah. second song that plays after like the the number one hit, like whatever single that was, and it and it felt really in place. I really enjoyed the song. I liked the other one you sent me, but this one was more like, yeah, this was something that the people can grab onto. So yeah, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, great job. I love the story behind Thanks, it too. Man. A very real place is like what it, what happens when you can't go to sleep, and then yeah. like. It starts when you won't go to sleep because you got stuff to do. And then you can't go to sleep. And you're like, ah, oh, I should have <laughs> went to sleep when I could. But it's too late now. And that was one of the coolest things about the song that I actually got from um, our drummer, Matt. He goes, can I tell you, every time I think when we play that song live, he goes, when I hear that first line, when the clock stri- uh, strikes 12 and the curtains are, I sorry, I couldn't speak there for a second. He goes, I think about that. Like when I was going through like really bad parts of my life and I was up all night thinking about things, he goes, I just kind of remember like the show was starting like this, you know, once yeah. you go to bed, it's like, that's not the end of the day. The show starts now and you're going through all of that. And I was like, that's such a cool thing. Why has that never been grasped in the song? Or maybe it has, I don't know, but you know, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was a really cool idea and it really came out really cool. Yeah, man. It did come out cool. Uh, was it all inside the box or did you reamp and all that other good stuff? You live and, so uh lead guitars were tracked through my external i have a ebh 5150 that goes through a black star half cab and then we sure. have i have a whole pedal board set up which was um I, you know cry baby wah pedal had a ton of you know like compressor noise gates um a little bit of reverb pedals and things like that um but that was all that was actually all done externally um drums were recorded up in new jersey which was a real a good friend of ours justin Gregg. he kills it on drum production every time one of the best drum like if you need a rock drummer like producer or tracker he is your guy mm. that dude just kills it and then um i actually recorded vocals with um one of my good friends tristan roberts who's actually working on this record with us one of the best in the business too um tristan also works with the rapper jelly roll i don't know if anyone knows him oh um, yeah but, yeah yeah, but Tristan is one of the best in the biz too when it comes to just production all, all together. So like that's the one thing that was really cool about this record that we're putting together now, which Insomniacs is on, is being able to be a part of all these processes and learning from you know as well as like putting my stamp on it, putting my time in, learning from other guys who may you know who may be better in certain avenues where I'm weaker at, and it's like okay, so now I can make myself better. Yeah, and no I can doubt. continue to learn and be better. And I can teach them about things that they didn't know. And you're already tying in, as we segue and we'll move on, you're already tying in this style of production music as well. So yes. because you're in a place to where you understand it, you got placements, you got moving and shaking in different places. So you're doing structures that fit that along with your creative part of your music, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the Motor Morin project has been so cool with because that, that gets us like out of, of the, you know, rock star writing, songwriting, artist writing. Right, and right. we get to do this, like, kind of like the crash line stuff, but this is cool. Cause it's like, okay, well we get to write stuff that we more, probably wouldn't normally write. And let's say what we're doing with hungry and dangerous. And mm. 
we love that because then you know you also get the deadlines and you get the specifics that you need for for it to land and i love that because then it becomes a challenge yeah it's like okay this is what they need from me in order for this to work you to stretch. yeah yeah it forces you to stretch rather than you wanting to stretch on your own because they give you you know a framework and a deadline and then you're like cool we can do this <laughs> like yeah we don't know how but we can do this like it's not I, yeah it's not far i'll fetched. never forget this the, the first conversation that dan and i had when we were working on this record that we just put out on friday called halls of rock um this i remember that we had the meeting with the main dude with the production li- uh, library and i'll never forget he said to me he's like well, you know, I, you know, I really want to pitch this for certain things and um, I won't go into which companies he was talking about, but I remember him saying like, it was probably May when we got, had this conversation and he's like, well, do you think you can get a full album done by like the end of July? We hadn't even started writing this record and I, I instantly had a smile on my face and so did Dan and without even hesitation, we're like, we'll get it done. And we hung up and we were just like, Oh, we're ready to go. Let's do it. And then we, you know, that's what's up. Yeah. And like we put together the board, you know, the the production sheets, and we're like, let's just get to work. And we spent two and a half months just grinding. Like this whole summer, I didn't have a summer. It was just me locked in my studio or, you know, doing what I was doing work. Yeah. Just, yeah, you were investing. So as we move on, we will say, first of all, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing the show. It's been a great show thus far. Go ahead and drop your socials. Drop your cash app, drop the church that you're going to on Sunday, whatever you want to give to the people that way they can reach out to you and check you out as well as support, maybe collab with you, what you got to give out to the people. Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me on every social media. Just type in Jordan Taylor mode, uh, M O E D. Um, I'm always on Instagram, which is guitar mode, my handle. Uh, definitely follow me. You can find Crashline Studios, my personal music production studio, just at Crashline Studios and our website, CrashlineStudios.com. Hungry and Dangerous, all one word. We're on all socials as well. Music, you can you can find on Spotify, Apple Music, all the big markets. As well to that, you can also find the stuff I'm doing with my production music and stuff out there as well. And yeah, I mean, I guess for church, I go. I mean, I go to I go to Crosspoint Church. They're a great church. Shout out to Crosspoint Church. Shout out to them. Yeah, down in Nashville. Keep best, keeping best, people man. hope and faith alive. It's very it's very important. Yes. Yeah. Especially no doubt. For a musician. Yeah, especially for for what we do. And thank you very much, sir. And to all the people that are listening to the show, I don't care if it's three of y'all. Thank the three of y'all for listening to the show. We appreciate it. We're just trying to bring y'all some good content for you to consume with creative people, professionals, and others that do this for a living. We are people. We have families. We enjoy things. And that's what we're here for. So sharing these experiences, we want to say catch y'all the next time around. I appreciate y'all listening. This has been another episode of season three, number two. Hanging at the house podcast. I'm your boy, Mr. Watt. We'll holler back next time. All right. Y'all be easy.